Thanks for tuning in to Organic Matters for this week. I'm going to start out with something that we all need to think about, and we don't usually, or at least I'd ever get to do it till it's too late. How to winterize your home. I'm going to give you about 10 different steps for winterizing your home, but more built around your health and your well-being, and mostly because we're sort of stuck in our homes even more in the last year or two because of the COVID-19 thing than we've been in the past. So let's get to, through some of the things that just make sense, but we, some of us just don't take time to think about them until it gets a little late. Unless you want to be working out in maybe some really bad weather, don't wait to inspect your home gutters and windows. Once the cold weather comes, or if you live in the northern areas, the snow comes, it gets a lot more difficult to do. If you don't, your risk of higher heating bills and probably some expensive repairs is going to come in the spring. You either do it now or you do it later. So if you're like me, sort of a do-it-yourself guy, all you can for two reasons. One, getting out the weather before it gets too bad. The more exercise you get, the more outdoors you are, the better off you are, almost without a doubt. Not to mention, it's not any expensive to do this stuff anymore, even if you can find someone to do it. That kind of stuff has really changed. Fallen leaves can easily clog your gutters. They cause water to back up. If it's really in a cold area, freeze and possibly seep into your house. First, remove any debris from the gutters, then rinse them well. I use a water hose. They even have a special attachment if you want to get one. As you do so, check for any leaks and make sure the downspouts carry water away from your house so your outpour doesn't leak into your own foundation. You know, many of us already do spring cleaning for our homes, but a thorough cleaning prior to winter is also important. Keep in mind that during a winter cleaning, you will not be able to vent your home for fresh air. So it's very important to use only natural cleaning supplies that won't add potentially toxic chemicals into your home's air. In my case, I have a grandson that's a, it's a special needs and he is a little bit more immune compromised. So I'm even more careful than ever about that. When it comes to indoor cleaning, there's new or at least updated cleaning tools. Some of them are the same now, what's called ultra-microfibers that are used by leading hospitals, hotels, and other organizations that depend on environments that are clean down to the biological level. Rather than just pushing the dirt around, of course, stirring it up in the air, these ultra-microfibers are positively charged, picking up everything in their path, including the biological and toxic contaminants that no other cleaning tool or solution can touch. And you can find these especially at stores like they call the cleaning stores. One that I deal with is called Cleaning Ideas. And they now have a bunch of this stuff available to the average citizen that was originally designed for micro cleaning in hospitals and other what we call super clean areas. You should really be aware that uh, a lot of commercial cleaners are toxic and contain harsh chemicals that are poisonous if inhaled or spilled on the skin as they contain hazardous ingredients, petrochemicals, perfumes, dyes, and some even animal byproducts, which I don't like. So be careful. Go ahead and read the label, folks. There is a way to check on these, these particular, almost every container you buy, they'll have a thing called an MSDS. If you've owned a computer or somebody can look it up at the library, material, it's called a material safety data sheet. 
And if you have a sensitive family member like I do, it is very important that you read these sheets or at least be aware of what's in this stuff because you're going to be living with it all winter if you have a, a house you have to close up because of the weather. If you really want to get serious about it, it's also a good time to remember to check your insulation. Hot air rises, so adequate insulation in your attic is crucial to save you money on your heating bills. Incidentally, it also helps in the summer in another way, but just winter is what we're talking about right now. A good way to do it is just if you can get up into your attic or even look in your attic and you can see your ceiling joists that are holding your ceiling in place, you probably don't have enough insulation because a ceiling joist is at most mm, 10 inches. Mostly they're about eight right now. So if you're seeing them, you need to add some insulation. They recommend for an ideal situation that you have about a foot, about 12 inches of attic insulation to keep your home well insulated, mostly like even just year round. At some point, depending on how far north or south you are, you're going to have to disconnect and drain your hoses, outdoor faucets, and your sprinkler systems before you get a really hard freeze. Otherwise, you could... I've lost it more than my, you can imagine in my life. Some of the pipes easily burst can cause some really major damage under and around your house. Let me take a minute to mention here, I've had to build some, a few homes or parts of homes in the last several years and a new thing's come out called PEX, P-E-X. You can just look it up. I won't go deep into it, but it's a different kind of a water. It's kind of replaces PVC. And the reason it's become so valuable is it's a little bit more to put in, a little bit more complicated. In some ways, it's easier because it's flexible. But uh, it doesn't, when it freezes, it doesn't burst. And so all the plumbing that I've had to replace in various places I've, I've been working in the last two or three years, even out west in the mountains where it really gets cold, we've replaced the plumbing if we've had to replace it with PEX plumbing. Give it a look. You'll be amazed at how much more versatile it is. Of course, part of a good plan is to just keep out the cold to begin with. Drafts from cold air are said to account for at least 10% of most people's heating bills. To keep cold air out, use weather stripping and caulking around your windows and doors. If your windows are particularly drafty and you aren't ready to buy new windows, inexpensive window insulation kits are now available at almost all the, I call, big box home improvement stores. The key areas to inspect, of course, for leaks are around door and window frames, around exterior openings, including, of course, utility outlets, phone lines, outside plumbing faucets, vents and fans, around heating and air conditioning, around home room air conditioners especially if you have them, at corners formed by sidings that come together, and openings around drain pipes in bathrooms and kitchens, even underneath your sink. Believe me, it'll be a little effort, but it will save you on your heating bills. And since programmable thermostats have gotten so much less expensive, they're probably the most efficient way to heat your home because they turn it down while you're gone in your regular hours and turn it back up on a programmable so you're not heating an empty home for hours if everybody's gone. Programmable thermostats allow you to keep the heat down while you're either sleeping, you can turn it down at night, or turn it up just an hour or 30 minutes before you get home from work or wake up in the morning. Even small temperature changes over time can make a big difference. 
Studies show that for every degree that you lower the temperature in your home, your heating bill will go down by two or maybe even three percent. And of course, if you have a furnace, replace or clean the dirty furnace filters. If need be, have a professional inspect your furnace to make sure that it's working properly. If necessary, they'll even have a service to clean your ducts out, which you may have to do every few years. And a surprise to some people is your hot water makes up about 14% of your utility bill. That's a good chunk. You can help to keep your water hot by wrapping a water heater blanket around your water heater. And if you have access, definitely by insulating your water pipes. So while you have an inspection day, go ahead and check your roof. Minor damage such as missing or cracked shingles or bare spots can lead to much more extensive damage if water leaks in. If you get spots or broken and curling shingles or bare spots in the granular coating, you really should get them repaired before real winter sets in. And finally, and this is amazing to me, that people don't understand. Reverse your ceiling fans. In the winter, ceiling fans keep your hot air down toward the floor where you are instead of up on the ceiling. Sometimes it's very apparent. You stick your hand up and the, at seven feet or six feet, the tip of your fingers is several degrees warmer than your waist. They should run clockwise on low for maximum efficiency in the winter. Just the very slowest you can set them, but literally have your fan turned to blow towards the ceiling. The difference will amaze you in, in especially in well-insulated houses, just by moving that heat down where we humans are instead of up on the ceiling. So give that a thought and, and it'll make a, another, they say, as much as 8 or 10% difference in the comfort of your home versus what it costs to keep yourself warm for the winter. And finally, I learned this the hard way. I really did happen to live up in the mountains in north, um, well, it's actually just central Texas, but we were over a mile high. My neighbors taught me and I was always sort of anti-electric blanket. Matter of fact, I was told they might not be good to sleep under, and there's people who believe there's electromagnet, blah, 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 blah. The real answer is how I use them, though I was taught was a little different. Because the house was cool, and I mean probably in the 60s at night, maybe high 50s. But what we did is, for the kids and for us, 30 minutes before we went to bed or 20, we, we had the electric blanket between the blankets and, and, the, and the sheets, turned it on just 20 minutes. It preheated all that mass and didn't, you didn't have to leave it on. Just to say, it doesn't bother me. I've read about it. I don't think it's a danger. But you don't have to leave it on. You put it on for 20 minutes before you tuck the kids away or yourself away, and it'll warm the mass of those blankets and everything, keep you warm, if not all night, most of the night, and makes it much more comfortable in the morning to turn it on. It sounds like it's losing it, but these new electric blankets are so efficient and I'm not big on technology, but they, 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 are, they save you a lot of money, number one, and they are comfortable on those few cold mornings when it really, really is chilly. That, that investment 
will pay for itself in one year and they'll last if you take care of them properly for I think my oldest one's a decade old. So just consider that as something in the old days we never would have thought of. But the new electric blankets with the thermostat controls, and yes, they're they're not unsafe at all. There's no way you can get electrocuted, folks, even if you spill water on them. But they do do aid and assist in you saving money over time, especially if you live in a really colder area of the country. So that's sort of a rundown on, hey, What do we do to winterize our homes? Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters.